What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So we've got an S in the guest screen, and Peter was just there. <laughs> I'm hoping he comes back. Man, this is cursed. I'm going to get uh, technical problems two episodes in a row. But, um, man, right off the bat, okay. Let me uh, hang in there, folks. Let me see if I can get... Uh, Peter back on here. Yep. All right. I see Peter's in the chat there. So we're going to call him back and uh, we will get this rolling momentarily. I hear him and I see him. There he is. Peter. I touched the screen and I hung it up. <laughs> Peter Din. Welcome to the show, man. Also known as Bay Area Reef. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> That's the first time I ever had a guest cut out of me right at the beginning. It's happened to me right. like in the middle. It's happened to me like near the end. It's like, but that's the first time that I ever uh, had a, uh, a Skype screen blank <laughs> there without a guest right at the top of the show. But uh, hey, you know, it's a curveball. We just roll with it. Welcome, everybody. Um, all right. So what's up with Peter here? So Peter first caught my eye on Instagram. He has these really incredibly well-produced videos and you know the goal here is to hopefully have peter give us some tips and tricks in terms of how to produce videos more eye-catching content for social media as well as images uh just a little bit something about peter peter's love for reef tanks started in the late 80s when his father built a 50 gallon bubble tank it was a big thing back then what what, what peter is a bubble tank bubble tank is a spherical tank that looks like a big bubble and it was a <laughs> big thing back then it was horrible to clean and it, it was just uh, a fad <laughs> yeah all right man i never heard of a bubble tank before but uh you know you do learn something new every day so there you go um all right so since that bubble tank he has gone through a dozen or so different builds it was not until the late 2000s when he merged his love of photography with his love of reef tanks since then he has been finding unique ways you capture images and videos of his tank and share it on social media. His goal is to share educational and fun content of what he has learned throughout his reef keeping journey. He has nearly 12,000 followers on Instagram. You might have more by now. I don't know, man, because um, you, people, you got to go check out Bay Area Reef on Instagram because it is so well done, his uh, his clips. And, and uh, you know, I find them very entertaining and also um, very inspiring and and um you know again i really want to uh to dig in with peter in terms of how he does what he does he's he's a professional photographer but that's like a side gig and um you know he's a reef keeping hobbyist so we'll certainly talk about how he's merged those two hobbies together with the uh, bay area reef he's also just started a youtube channel right peter yep I started a bay area reef youtube channel with the same name and uh hopefully i, I can share some of my techniques in more of an in-depth tutorial on that channel. Cool. Well, I'll uh, make sure that um, I subscribe after this uh, live stream here. So before we get into uh, the weeds here with Peter, I just want to thank the sponsors for the uh, show, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the show, and I also appreciate all you folks tuning in to um, watch, comment, um, asking questions, all that stuff is always encouraged in the chat. So, um, Peter, how long have you been in the hobby in terms of reef keeping? 
Oh, man. It, it's been over probably 15 years, right? I started in the late 80s, early 90s with my father going in, had a had a hiatus because of school and high school and stuff like that. But then after that, I got back right into it. And here we are today. About, you know, 15 accumulated years of actually doing reefing, but uh, much longer being intrigued with it. So besides the um, the bubble tank, anything else kind of inspired you? Have you, have you had any like uh, mentors along the way, people you've kind of mimicked in terms of the reef tanks? Oh yeah, I've, I've had plenty. I, I used to live in California uh, next to Monterey Bay Aquarium, which is a, a huge public aquarium. And uh, I used to visit every summer. I used to know the director there and she would give me behind the scene tours of it and it just kind of clicked. Uh, ever since then, I had a really good, uh, you know, insight in the aquarium world, and it's been it's been kind of a, a love ever since. Any uh, any um, plans to change barrier Bay Area Reef? Now you're in <laughs> Texas, right? I moved to Texas a year ago, and and I don't have any plans on changing the name. Oh, my heart's in the Bay, um, but. On top of that, it's just a hassle to change everything. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, you don't you want to like you don't want to ruin the brand. You've developed quite a brand there, so um, that that would not probably be a, a smart idea at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so I thought it would be a good idea if um, if Peter kind of gave us an overview of his uh, reef tank and and he said he could do a little live walk around. So he's gonna he's gonna do a little live walkthrough of his tank, the equipment, and some other stuff and. And that'll kind of like set the stage in terms of his um, kind of like the canvas that he's working with in terms of the uh, videography and, and the photography, kind of like his subject is his reef tank. But I, I'd love to, um, Peter, if you would give us a, a little tour and then we can kind of like ask you a couple of questions about how you keep the tank. Absolutely. So let me uh, let me pop off the uh, orange lens here on, on my phone. And we can get started. Somebody asked me a question. Did I, Jimmy D, did, did you make the, uh, the intro song? I didn't make it. I mean, I grabbed it from someplace and, uh, folks. What was the song? I, I have it? to look in the uh, video description, but, uh, I don't know. I sort of dig it, but, uh, love to hear people's thoughts, positive or negative on it. I have it, uh, reversed the camera over here looking at my tank. Yeah, that's a smoking, uh, reef there, Peter. So this is my innovative marine 200-gallon tank that I built probably a little less than two years ago. And it's kind of my dream build that I, I kind of mapped out since the beginning um, after I moved here from California. But yeah, it's, it's a predominantly mixed reef tank. Uh, I've got a variety of you know LTS, and I've started to now add some acros to the top here. Nice. Um, but for the most part... I have LPS pretty much spread out everywhere. Euphilia Gardens, Torch Gardens. Uh, I got a Zoa Garden going over here, and then like a pretty big Ganeopora Garden, and then some leathers in the back. But I am reserving a lot of the space that is left over on these ledges for some more uh, Acropora once the uh, once these testers. Uh, are doing well. We have you been a um, Have you been into SPS before? Or is this the first time you're kind of like dabbling in it? I've done SPS back in my old tank in California, and it, and it was doing really well. But you know, 
with SPS, you got to stay on top of the tank. And uh, I just got a newborn. Uh, she's eight months old. And so I, I designed this tank knowing that my child was coming. And so I <laughs> as much as I could. And, and I'll give you guys a tour of, of what I've done. Um, but for SPS, I am no expert in SPS. So I've dabbled in the past. And for for last five or six months, these acros have been growing really well. So I'm just going to venture into some more uh, higher end sticks in the future here. And then uh, hopefully I'm successful with that. What, uh, what scape uh, did you use? It's obviously a dry rock scape. Did, um, what kind of uh, dry rock did you use? So this is real reef uh, rocks that I've used a combination of uh, a very thin viscosity glue from glue masters and I used a um, a sand mixture to create like a mortar and, uh, I glued some of these uh, pieces together with that and it, it came out pretty good it, I, I grew up with like bonsai plants and so I modeled the aquascape after kind of like bonsai it looks awesome man it really does love the uh, the open aquascape how did you um how did you start the tank with the um with the dry rock did you kind of let it um mature a little bit and and um you know with with seeding with some bacteria or some other established tank water or did you just kind of like start the uh the process in tank uh so my process was a, a six month bath in some bins uh just for it to get all the phosphates mm -hmm. kind of out of it and then i dosed bacteria in it and it, it literally sat there for six months because the house was being built still um and so I, I let it simmer in those bins for that long and then because of that i i think i didn't really go through an ugly phase or not much of a big ugly phase when i first started up this tank so once i did the aquascape and added the rocks there was like a diatome bloom and and that lasted like a week and that's it uh, the tank has been pretty uh, pristine since. Um, question from um, Bert Minshew. Story behind that acanthophilia cost thing is epic. Uh, this guy right here? <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's the holy grail of uh, meat corals. Yeah, you can't really see it on camera, but there's there's a rainbow of colors on, on its uh, skirt here. Uh, but yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces. How uh, do, you, do you mind sharing the cost of that thing, or is that um, something you'd rather not share? <laughs> no, I share it. I got this from Sticks and Stones, and he, he's a good friend of mine, and he got it for me for 1600 back in the day. It's, it's been like a year. It's been over a year. That's a steal, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeez, Jesus, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I had to jump on that when... Uh, oh, when that for sure. Right. Yeah, you know, you just want to make sure you don't have any uh, coral nip nippers in there. I guess uh, uh, angelfish might be a no-no. Yeah, no angelfish in here. Um, I did I did rearrange these scolies lately because they used to be on this little rock that I made like a scully garden out of, but it became infested with these feather dusters. Oh, wow. They were like digging into the flesh of the scully, so I had to tear it all down and, and manually. A um, couple questions about uh, from Roof reef under the roof and roll Rolly's reef ranch how old is the tank uh, i think you mentioned it's a couple years old this is one and a half years old one and a half years old yeah that's pretty impressive man so that's you started that pretty much right from scratch when you moved huh uh yeah um 
obviously the tank when it got wet it was at one and a half years ago but it was it's probably two years when i when i started the planning process and hearing the rock and stuff like that um what about um okay i was gonna ask you some questions about equipment um uptown reef keepers uh asking are you running uv uh i am running a uv it's a 50 watt pentair uh down underneath here uh let me just yeah you want to show give us a peek under the hood there yeah so i got this little panel right here in front that shows me all of my apex dashboard uh mounted in the front of my cabinet here but underneath here let's start on the left side i have dual clearacy sk5000 filter rollers this sump is made by synergy reef which is uh custom made to fit these filter rollers so it's it's really clean and, uh yeah i mean look at it it's, it's pulling out a lot of a yeah. lot of and then uh, there, there's a lot of piping and plumbing in here, and I'll, I'll go through some of it. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the auto water change stuff that I have plumbed in my garage. Um, this used to be a fusion, but now it's converted into a kind of a coral grow out section uh, that can be the refusion. And there's like a bunch of uh, jawbreakers down here and some higher end A cans. Nice. And it's running on a Kessel 850X with a 35. Because it the light within this apartment doesn't spill over. People are uh, commenting on your clean uh, clean build there, uh, Peter. Uh -huh, thanks, guys. Uh, I have three Octo uh, skimmer over here. Two Aquaman uh, reactors that is running some uh, Aquachar carbon. Then have an outside line going into my. Uh, out with the pH and this little tube that you see in the middle right here is my calcium reactor the yeah you're, you're kind of breaking up a little bit there but i think what you're saying is that uh, that's a calcium reactor effluent that's going in to help degas the, the co2 is that what you're uh, doing with that yeah okay uh, i think i put the cell phone underneath the cabinet so it's getting gotcha uh, signal down there uh, but moving on to the right side here I have all my Apex gear mounted on this uh, board right here that kind of swings out. Uh, let me see if I can swing it out here. So well, all the Apex gear is uh, on this door that I can swing out, and I have easy access to it if I need to troubleshoot or maintain or replace anything. And then I have this adaptive reef kind of uh, I.O. box out here for the... Uh, turning emergency turn off feed modes and such dude this uh, is really impressive man i mean um is that is that, is that a custom uh, stand did you uh, or did you modify a um pre-built actually innovative stock stand that i've kind of modified a bit to uh fit all of this uh but for for the most part it, it's all stock it's uh mostly the aluminum um is standard for for all of the um all the fittings that go into uh, 8020 aluminum. And so you can use all the accessories on the stock innovative marine stand. So that that's kind of what made me decide on going with this brand. And all the plumbing was uh, you're, uh, you're doing? You did all the plumbing yourself? Yeah, so all the plumbing was done by myself. Uh, actually, everything was done by myself. And it was, it was a challenge doing it by myself, but I kind of took my time and uh, it came out pretty good. I used a lot of unions just so that I can take things apart easily if uh, I need to. I haven't had to do much in terms of 
replacing anything, but they're there just for ease of mind. Um, yeah, unions are your friend, you know, because um, I do a lot of PVC um, plumbing and all that stuff with my, my systems. And um, when you have unions, it just makes it so much easier to make, uh, you know, some, some kind of like difficult connections when you're gluing stuff together because the unions just give you a lot of uh, leeway. Absolutely. And my UVs in the back, if anyone's curious, all hidden away. And then the outlet is on this side so I can remove the bulb in the sleeve. Uh, and then I have uh, this, I have Ubiquity networking equipment, if anyone's familiar with that. And so I have Ethernet wired into my Apex, so I don't have to worry about the Wi-Fi. That's awesome. So um, Goalie Mask Design at Will is asking for you to show off your light rack. Would love to see your lighting setup. I'm upgrading mine very soon. Thanks for asking, guys. So uh, the light rack here, I got a bunch of uh, pillows from Lazy Coffee Design, if you're familiar with Elaine. Uh, on this rack is uh, extruded aluminum on a uh, stand made for a stand-up desk. And the nice thing about this is I'm able to, uh, you know, control the light. You can see it going up and down. Yep. Wow. So, That's cool. So it's on this automated desk stand-up that I kind of configured to make it work with dude the you're taking like this to a whole nother level in terms of uh your build so you can see the lights go down right now yeah wow <laughs> that's so freaking cool <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh that's the light setup i have uh kessel a 500 x's there's uh three pendants up here followed by uh six 24 inch reef bright bars for for supplemental lighting and with the lights running at about I don't know, 16 inches off the water and 60% intensity. I'm getting at the very top where these acros are, uh, probably around 300 par. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then at the top here, I have dual Avast marine uh, auto feeders. These are called the planks. And the nice thing about these is that when you're feeding different size pellets and powder foods, it releases them. Um, consistently because it's a corkscrew so it comes out evenly like the little pellets don't fall out first like most auto feeders got you so you're running that even when you're uh you're you're, you're at home that's not something oh, you're set up when you're gone oh yeah so one side is powdered foods for coral foods i have like reefroids benefits uh all the powder foods in one and on the other one i have reef nutrition tdo pellets and i have elos uh, pellet food as well in the, in the other one. What else are you feeding during the day in terms of uh, fish food and, and um, you know, are you, you feeding any frozen or are you just pretty much... Yeah. So all fro I use PE mice's frozen and I mix that up with uh, the full line of nutrition stuff like oyster feed, mice's feed, uh, phytoplankton, live phytoplankton for them. I dose that uh, daily. Um, I may miss a day or two just if I'm busy, but for the most part, I, I do that daily. Spectacular, man. And um, somebody was asking a question about your phosphates. Um, what uh, what levels are your like nitrates and phosphates at? So this was a, a really important topic of discussion when I started this tank. Is from my past experience, nutrients was a, a very big deal for me uh, on keeping coral color and actually keeping the corals healthy. So I run between five and ten ppm on nitrates, and I run anywhere between 0.08 and 0.12 on phosphates 
And if those numbers deviate, I have uh, a doser. I have these two Kamoer dosers down here that's running uh, uh, Brightwell Neophos and uh, Neonitro. Yep. If I need to uh, supplement dose, because I, I run an algae. I'm going to walk around behind this tank and I'll show you my garage. Okay. Uh, that's where I have some more equipment, like my calcium reactor and my algae scrubber hooked up to the tank. Okay. Um, so sometimes with the roller mat combined with the skimmer combined with the algae scrubber, um, it, it's a lot of export, right? And yeah. not a lot of import. And so I, I have to kind of tune everything to make sure that my uh, my nutrients don't bottom out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this is my, my office, right? I have my work computer behind me that I was sitting at. Uh, I have my little art corner over here. Uh, but pretty much I spend most of my day working in here. Uh, during my day job, and it's pretty relaxing. Very cool, man. Um, while you're walking around at the back, um, Paul Greybeard Reef is asking, who makes the uh, acrylic lid, and how uh, how do you like it? So this acrylic lid is made by Jesse from Reefin Ain't Easy, and it's a beautiful lid. Uh, it's precision-made. It's polycarbonate. It doesn't warp. Uh, mm, that's big. You can have him design big old theater holes <laughs> if you want to and he's he's done the cutouts for me for my auto feeders so it's uh oh wow yeah legit. yeah for sure yeah haven't lost a fish yet <laughs> yeah i would think not cool so i'm gonna walk around guys uh this is coco hey I coco while you're doing <laughs> that reef addicts merch is asking what is your um favorite fish and coral that you own uh, I think it's the uh, Acanthophilia is my favorite coral. And as far as uh, my favorite fish, I think it's my Koi Tang uh, is my, my favorite. Uh, let's see. I think I got a picture of that thing. That's the one with the uh, kind of uh, the, the, the um, demarcation on the face. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm showing that right now. So I'm on the back. I'm directly behind the tank right now. And so I've kind of punctured a few holes through the wall. Um, and I've installed the brand new Clearwater algae scrubber. This is their new model that they just released. Um, and so it's plumbed out here, and then the drain goes back inside with this tube back into the sump. And then I also have my calcium reactor set up out here that also... Looks, looks like a familiar reactor to me. That's a reef octopus, isn't it? Yep, this is the reef octopus, like a 800 model or something like that. Yep. Uh, I should have gotten the dual uh canister one to help with the ph but i've got both actually i've got a dual um reef octopus and also the single um chamber one and um it's uh you know what i i, I do like the uh the dual but uh the single chamber is um does pretty well too you know but i dose a lot of caulkwasser so my ph is uh you know elevated in the uh, a3 to a5 range all the time just ordered an avast marine alkster and so right now what I'm running in the system is a calcium reactor plus two part on a doser to supplement the calcium reactor. Yep. And uh, it just as a backup, right? You don't know what will happen to the calcium reactor. It might, it might fail or the, uh, the affluent pump might fail. So I have that as a backup so I, I can remotely turn on the two part um, if needed. Nice. But the calcster is going to be added soon. And so I'm going to use that as a tertiary <laughs> back up to my supplementation um i might have missed it what's your ph range typically uh it it goes up and down between 8.2 and uh, 8.0 gotcha yep yeah 
So, oh, uh, I forgot to show you guys, but right next to the calcium reactor was also a CO2 scrubber. So when this when the pH dips below 8.0 is is when I know when to change that media out. Yeah, are you changing that media out a lot? Is that uh, sort of a pain in the ass or? It uh, once every month, and it's a four pound, um, it's a four pound CO2 scrubber. So four pounds of media. Mm, that's a lot of media, though, right? Yeah, it's it's quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I change it out on a, probably a monthly basis. I I may forget and leave it running for a, an extra week or two. <laughs> but uh, and that's a frag tank that's plumbed into the display. So this is a separate system. Oh. And so I wanted two separate systems just in case uh, in an emergency where I needed to use it as a backup or something happens to the display or vice versa that I, I have an emergency tank to use and. Every coral that I buy goes into this frag tank first for for several weeks before touching the display. Yeah, that's a good um, that's a good policy. But yeah, it's like a semi QT tank that I have out here. But let's start from uh, the left side over here. So I have my RO unit mounted to the wall with uh, with uh, a ten stage RO unit, and that goes wow. through that goes through all of that, and then it fills up this uh, one hundred and ten gallon mixing station reservoir on the left side is fresh water and then on the right side is salt water peter man you are all in <laughs> it's it was a uh it was a dream build when when i moved in and i told my wife this is what i'm going to do in the garage and she didn't know what i was doing exactly until i got <laughs> off the well you know what the good thing is you live in texas so you don't have to worry about i'm, I'm assuming uh where you're at in texas and austin that it's not going to get too cold in the winter time uh, it does get really cold here. It gets, it? well, for, for, um, for my, uh, temperature wise, 30 degrees is pretty cold to me. <laughs> Heated garage? So this is a, uh, heat pump and, uh, air conditioning unit in the garage. So during the summer, it's excess of a hundred degrees in the garage. This keeps it at a cool 70 degrees, 75, nice. uh, all year long. Nice. Uh, it's, uh. It's it's a it's a must if you have coral in the garage. Yeah, for and sure. In the garage is insulated, so the roof, the walls, the garage doors are all insulated uh, to maintain heat and temperature in here. And so over here is my QT tanks. I have two kind of ten gallon QT tanks. I'm QTing some Chromis right now, which I have horrible luck with, uh, but hopefully these guys make it. What's your process in terms of QT? Do you just run medication? Are you just observing them? or I just observe them at first, and uh, depending on what they come down with, I'll, I'll treat accordingly. Gotcha. Yeah, whether it's a bacterial infection or these guys, uranema or, um, or all that. While we're on your vats there, um, Vaggy1 is asking where you got those 110-gallon vats. I got them from uh, tankdepot.com. Uh, I ordered them, and uh, it took eight weeks to get here. I mean, it was during the middle of COVID and shipping, mm. and you know, all the lead times were horrible. So it, it took forever. I used brute trash cans for the longest time before uh, before these came in. Um, so just another uh, note is that this blue PVC pipe goes all the way up to the attic, and it traverses all the way across to the other side into my so. I don't carry buckets when I do water changes. There's a there's a pipe that also drains out to my drain uh, for the display. So it drains, and then I can pump fresh salt water 
uh, directly. That's the way there. to do it, man. You never want to do that bucket brigade. That's the way I've got mine set up too. Automatic. Well, not automatic. I mean, I turn pumps and and uh, turn um, the uh, the levers on on the um, yeah, and then um, do what I need to do. But yeah, that's that's great to have it set up that way. So similar setup for a frag tank uh, out here are Kessel A360X pendants uh, powering the the frag tank. Same same brand lid uh, for the frag tank out here. And then I'm running Reef Octo skimmer just like the inside. Here's a good and question from Farm Frags. If there was one thing that you would want to do over, what would it be? Oh, man. Uh, I would have probably made my display tank in wall. Versus really? Tank. Um, I, you I know, think it, uh, go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. Oh, no worries. I, I just think that my office would be a lot spacier. <laughs> well, that's true. But, you know, the thing that I like about your tank, and I, I used to have an in-wall tank. I, did you ever have an in-wall tank? I've, I've never had one. You know, it's, it's a one-dimensional tank, really, because it's in-wall and you can't see on the sides or on the top and stuff. And, and it's a cool thing to have, and it certainly is a space saver. But I, I, I think um, I, I'm really digging your, uh, your setup, and, and my tanks are all, um, you know, open with viewing. I call it like viewing on four sides, really, because I count the top. Yeah, so, you know, I think it would look clean. But I've never done one before, so I, I would probably get advice from folks like yeah, what the negatives are uh, going that route. But I figured that if the tank was like you know sticking out in the garage, I, I would still be the size of it. I would just have to go out to the garage to do so. Yeah, Farm Frag was saying I I did in wall and hated cleaning it. I I would um, second that. It, it was a lot more difficult to um, service the inside of the tank and to clean the tank when it was an in-wall tank. So, you know, you got to like kind of reach around. You, you just can't get to all the things that you can get to very easily when you have a, uh, a tank in the uh, open space like you do. But, you know, hey, that's the beautiful thing about reef keeping is that there's a lot of different options and, and um, some people dig certain things and others dig other, other stuff. So. Absolutely, yeah. But that's one of the things I would probably do over. Um, in terms of all the piping and automation, I, I thought about it for, for months ahead of time on, on how I was going to plummet, how I was going to automate the water changes. Um, but that was all from past experience of my old tanks, right? Things that I didn't want to do anymore. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the tank um, tour. Did um did you talk about uh, food and supplements, Peter? In terms of like, do you use any uh, traces or supplements or additives? You mentioned uh, coral food. Yeah, so coral food in terms of additives. Uh, I mean, so I have like these little cool IKEA cabinets next to the tank that keeps all my additives. Uh, I use the KZ coral system for traces. So they come in these bottles, and they come into in parts like parts one through four. And then every three months, I'll send out an ICP test, and uh, I dose accordingly based on that. So if it's too low, I'll up my dosages. If it's too high, I'll lower my dosages. And right now, I dose about 20 milliliters of each part per week uh, of traces. What's the total system gallons? Um, with displacement, it's probably around 240 okay. around. Salt? And then 
default, I use Brightwell uh, Neomarine uh, for my salt. And then for, you know, other supplements and fish foods, I use Brightwell Reef Snow. I use the Microbacter line of bacterial additives. Uh, Restore is a really good Brightwell product. Um, I do dose KZ potassium when it's low. Uh, I do test for potassium uh, following once a month with a Salifert test kit. Yep. Uh, I find that that's like the most accurate potassium, or maybe it's the only potassium test kit. Ever. Um, but I do dose Acropower for my aminos, and I do uh, Coral Amino from Brightwell as well. Yeah, so th those are my additives. Uh, pretty simple. I may in the future add these to a doser, but for the time being, it's pretty easy for me to just dump in 20 mils of each by hand every week. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're there all the time working during the day, then uh, yeah. Yeah, it keeps me busy. It keeps me looking at the tank and doing stuff to the tank. I try to keep my hands out of the tank, though. I uh, I concur. I always try to keep my hands out of the tank. It's just, um, you know, one, I think the oils from the skin get in there, and it can just, you know, kind of mess things up. And then, um, two, I think that um, people like to tinker sometimes with their tanks and maybe move a coral from one place to another, or maybe just something doesn't look right, and you're always in there rearranging stuff. And I just always advocate, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like my ras just dove into the sand bed and buried my lobo. Well, okay, you might have to address that situation then. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of rasses in the tank. I do like my rasses, but it, it the downfall is that I can't really keep many inverts. Um, nor can I keep like things that will kill off certain pests, like kind of Bergia nudibranchs. My rasses will eat those up. Yeah, I hear you. All right, man. So I think you did a uh, an awesome job there, uh, Peter, of kind of setting the stage for what we we're like the main conversation tonight, which is going to be about photography and, and videography. And and uh, man, what a kick-ass tank! Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, sharing that with us. It it really awesome. it kind of it really kind of brings it to life. You know, I mean, most of the uh, clips I've seen, well, the all, all you know, the only clips I've seen are on your Instagram, you know, page, right. and those are like ten second hits. But this was. Um, um, very, very informative and just gave me a much better um, idea in terms of how you run the tank and what, what the animals are all about. So kudos to you, man. Thanks, Keith. Uh, and, and, you know, the uh, you guys got like the preview of my tank tour because I, I was going to release a tank tour video on YouTube, but you guys got... Uh, nah, you through. should you should definitely do your uh, do another one, <laughs> man. You got you to like just put some content out there. Not, you know, listen, this thing... Not everybody's gonna be watching this live stream, but you know, feel free to uh, you know take the, uh, the the clip that you just showed there and, and um, you know run with it. But whatever you want to do. Um, so, all right, I've been talking about your Instagram um, page, and um, we have some examples that you put together. A few, um, I guess they were they were real. So let me um, let me show that. Yeah, sure. And yeah. Um, okay. and then I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna show another. Uh, well, well, let me just show the reels first, and it's pretty short. But um, I thought these are pretty clever. And I'm gonna probably get uh, probably gonna get uh, flagged by YouTube for the uh, copyright on the uh, on the music for, for the music. You, so uh, this is a um, is this a uh, like a personal account? So you're able to use a lot of different types of music, right? Versus like a professional yeah, account, so you can't. Especially on Instagram, you, you can't use any of these reels and repost them on YouTube. They'll get flagged right away. Right. But on 
Instagram, these these songs are actually from the Instagram database. Oh, like, really? You choose, you choose it from Instagram. All right, let me let me just run this real quick. I'm gonna mute us. So hang on. was i thought it was uh, important to like let people hear that music with the video so i know i'm going to be getting slapped after this uh, live stream but by youtube but uh, i think it was well it's going to be well worth the slap because it just uh you do such a good job man in terms of merging that video with the music and um it's you know in terms of the music we're just talking about this while the video was playing um you, you so you're saying there's a pretty good library available with uh with instagram uh video but uh youtube will always flag that stuff yeah, so there's a um, kind of a free database of, of uh, songs that you can use for YouTube, and YouTube actually produces a whole list of things that you can use too, but it's definitely not as robust as the Instagram database. I actually use the, um, the native record option uh, on the iPhone to actually record the audio, and then I'll, I'll import it into Adobe Premiere to edit the video. Wow. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna run another um, video of um, this is just like regular video you you uh, pass along to me and this is in the uh, the 1080p uh, format. I don't think this was I think I saw this on your um, on your Instagram feed, but this is just um, not produced in terms of um, with with the audio. It's just uh, straight up video. It's just incredible and it and it seems to be like some of the stuff you're shooting with a uh, top down viewer. Yeah, so we'll, we'll go through all of the accessories and stuff that I use, but uh, this, what we're seeing right now is, is the, the top-down viewer. Uh, not top-down viewer, I'm sorry, uh, photo tube. Photo tube, right, 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 right. Um, all right, man, so talk to us about the, um, oh, I think we still got it going, or is this running on a, uh, a loop here? um all right yeah so talk to us uh peter about the equipment that you're using so obviously you're using a uh, professional um camera uh you're also using a cell phone too right absolutely a lot a lot of the captures uh and the quick 10 second reels on instagram are actually caught by camera and i, I want to go through like kind of my equipment that i use for both the cell phone users and if you want to dabble into the more professional gear We'll spend a little bit of time talking about that. Yeah, let's 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 do a cell phone because I personally do not do really use my cell phone at all in terms of shooting my uh, my tanks, and uh, I would definitely like to get some some tips from you. I know that you know a big thing is the orange lenses and stuff, but uh, yeah, why don't you go through like start with the cell phone? So let's go with uh, the equipment that I personally use, and I have a couple examples here just because I'm I'm actually using my primary cell phone for this Skype call, but uh, I have some 
cell phone cases that I'll use as an example. So uh, first up is everyone today um, uses kind of what they call an orange lens with a, a clip. So it's basically a clip on that goes over your cell phone lens and it kind of looks like this. Everyone's familiar with these mm -hmm. kind of clip lenses. Uh, but I find these to be very cumbersome. I hate clipping them on, and especially with these newly designed cameras where there's multiple lenses, you now have to kind of line up the holes. And uh, it takes time, especially when you're trying to capture something on the fly. Uh, so what I've done research on is there's a company called Moment, and they make these awesome cases for all sorts of different phones, Android phones, iPhones, you name it. Uh, but what it has is an M-series mount where the lens is. And an M-series mount is just like uh, what they've called their mounting system, kind of like Canon has the EF mounting yep. lens system. Um, you can see on the back side of this 37 millimeter adapter, that's an M-series adapter, you can attach any orange lens to it, any huh. 37 millimeter lens. And all orange lenses, the standard ones are all 37 millimeters. So you don't have to go out there and figure out the math of how big your lens is. So you can buy this filter, that's an M-series filter mount, and then instead of clipping it on, you now twist lock it onto your phone nice. case. And now it's lined up perfectly every time. This one is from uh, uh, Ocean Box Designs, this is an orange lens by, by that company, but there's tons of other orange uh, filter companies. Orphic makes one, Polyp Lab makes one. So. That's one option. I, I like using this, snap it on, twist it on pretty quick. Uh, the other one that's noted is for those that don't want to spend the $50 on this type of case, there's 10 or $12 cases for your, for your phone. Same theory, but except it doesn't use the M series mount. It uses 17 millimeter threaded uh, adapters, and then you can buy these 17 millimeter to 37 millimeter um, filter adapters. And instead of twist locking, this one actually screws on. So it takes a little bit more time to screw it on. Yep. But it's the same theory. It lines up the lens. But the only downfall of this is when you want to have zoom lens and other types of lens, you have to pop it off and pop it on the correct lens that you want to use. Uh, so, Great Bearded Reef is asking, what, are the, what was the brand of cases again? I will... Have, it's actually on my YouTube channel description. So all the links to whatever I'm talking about is in the description of on my my only video that's on YouTube, right? <laughs> uh, so if you guys check that out, um, did you say it was also, called Moment? Moment, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Moment lens, and uh, that's what I use for my cell phone and the orange filters. It just makes my workflow more efficient and. Uh, I can be sure that it's lined up perfectly every time. Have you ever taken a photo of your tank and then you realize you look back after it, half of the uh, image is blocked by the mm. clip? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. so so, Peter, is, um, is the orange lens the biggest piece of, um, you know, equipment that you would need to adapt a phone with? You know, it's, so essentially is that is that like orange filter if you've got a, like a predominantly blue spectrum lighting then you're going to want to have an orange filter over that phone and then you're pretty much good to go with the phone in terms of video and, and photos you need the rest is software based and, and we'll go through that in a little bit as well but um just for those out there that are not familiar uh on the lens i don't know if you can see it 
but there's a Kelvin temperature rating on these orange lenses. They, they, they will be rated at 20,000 Kelvin, 15,000, 12,000, and so forth. And that, that depends on the, the reef lighting that you have. So if you're running really actinic, really blue light, you want to have a temperature range uh, in the upper 18,000, 20,000 degree Kelvin to filter out that blue light. Gotcha. Um, and for cell phone use, these filters work really well because the, uh, the software inside the cell phone, it does auto white balancing, auto, it does all of this crazy stuff. Even with the orange lens on an iPhone, it will try to white balance itself. And what I mean by that is it automatically tries to adjust itself to the right settings automatically. And sometimes you don't want that. Sometimes you just want the orange filter to do its job and, and the software to stay out of it. Yeah, I have the, um, I'm sorry. I have the iPhone XR, you know, so yeah. that's a couple of years old, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's got a white balance. Do, do, do the iPhones and other uh, cell phones have like a white balance setting that you can override what, what the camera wants to yeah. do? Fortunately, but the way to get around it is that when you are looking at your fish tank with a cell phone orange lens and you see that it's still really blue and it's not that vibrant popping color that the orange lens uh, removes the blue, just switch the photo mode. So if you're in video mode, switch to photo mode and switch back to video mode. It will reset the white balance oh. and then you're good to go again. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so a that's good a tip. Good Good tip that that I tell most people when they're having trouble using these orange lenses. And full spectrum lighting, you um, you you would still need a lens, but just a, a different type of lens. Yeah, yeah. So for if you're doing if you're turning on the whites instead of the blues, and that's what I recommend uh, to do. If you if you're looking to take pictures of what it really looks like in real life then turn up the white spectrum a little bit on your light so that you can capture that. But a lot of, as you know, we all love the blue actinic pop of all these corals and making it uh, saturated. That's, that's not the goal of my photography. The goal of my photography is to make the pictures pop, but at the same time, try to keep it as realistic to the real naked eye as, as possible. And I'm going to show you guys an example in, in Lightroom here in just a second after I go through some of my equipment here. Um, so, another quick question for you, um, Peter Reef Addicts Merch. Where do, the, yeah. where do the yellow filters come into play? So yellow filters are really good in combination with the orange filters. So a lot of companies will give you a yellow, uh, probably like 20K filter, plus an orange one. And a lot of times the yellow will filter out a lot of the blue, but it gives a really orange tint to it if you only use the yellow uh, filter. So what you do is you stack them. You stack the yellow filter and the orange filter together. And depending on your light brand and the spectrum that you're running and how blue you're running, you're going to have to experiment whether you use the 15K filter or the 20K filter. For my tank, I'm, I'm running mostly on the blue side spectrum of the Kessel lights, probably 5% clear. And so with that, I prefer the orange 20k lens if i'm using the uh, uh ocean box lens if i'm using the orfec lens i use the combination of the 15k orange lens plus the 20k yellow lens and it gives a pretty good uh real life reenactment of what you see with the naked eye farm frags is making a couple of good points here i think um 
one, turn off all ambient light, two, close the blinds, and also like shooting at night. Do you uh, concur with all those points? I love shooting at night. And the reason why my office is so dark all the time is because I always have my photo gear set up in here. Any ambient light, any glare that hits the tank, uh, refracts off the glass, stuff like that will show up in your uh, your images. And, you know, David comes, it's Farm Frags, David is his name. He, he has a good point, is that a lot of these orange filters come with something called a, a circular polarized lens. It's a CPL for short. And it helps to minimize the glare uh, coming from the tank glass if, if some mm. kind of light source is hitting at it. It doesn't take it away completely, it helps. Um, but most of these orange filters come with it. It's a good tool to have on there if your room is brightly lit and, and you don't have the dark environment that, that you see behind me. Um, NSB Reefs is asking, has he used the A um, AL Reef app? And if so, was it helpful? AI uh, Reef app. I don't use I, I'm familiar with that, but I don't use it because it, it allows you to adjust temperature on the fly with that app. So if you don't want to use any post-processing apps uh, to uh, fix your images after you take the picture, then those apps work perfect. You can adjust the temperature over to the uh, warmer side, so it takes out a lot of the blue. But I find that those apps um, give an orangey kind of, it takes away the blue, but it gives a bit of an orangey tint to the picture, which kind of makes it look a little finicky. Um, I prefer to use the orange filter, the physical orange filters with the native photo app or another really good app outside of that AI, uh, the aquarium app is the Adobe Lightroom app for your cell phone. It has a built in camera app. It's a photo editing app, but it has a built in app that allows you to take pictures and, uh, adjust the temperature on the fly and i feel like that temperature adjustment is a lot more accurate than other applications just because adobe is is an expert in the field of photography uh, so if you guys want to use that app I, I definitely suggest using the one built into the lightroom and that's free right it's free uh you do have to sign up for an adobe account i think but but it's free for uh usage on your cell phone if you're using adobe lightroom and photoshop on the computer that requires a, a subscription or a license uh, and, and we'll we'll go through that in just a little bit here all right man so um what else should we know in terms of uh, using the cell phone is it just all about um you know picking the right filter and then um then, then it's editing after that yep and then it's editing after that i I use the Lightroom app once again uh, after I take the picture with the cell phone. And I go in there and I, and I adjust uh, temperature, I adjust contrast, brightness. Um, I even do kind of the color toning and the color grading in the app. And I'm gonna show you how I do that, but I'm gonna show you on my computer, but it's the same exact sliders in the app. Do you wanna, do you wanna go ahead and do that now or is this a good time? Um, I go through a few. Okay. Do we, how much time do we have, Keith? Oh, we got time, man. We we could uh, <laughs> we keep going, you know. All right. Uh, let me go through a few uh, more equipment that that I recommend and use. Yeah. Uh, quick, and then we'll dive into an example of how Editing. I edit okay. a, a picture, and then uh, maybe we'll we'll wrap it up from from there. Um, but 
for those of you guys who kind of want to dive into other forms of capturing your tank is uh, I use a GoPro and uh, I can submerge the GoPro with this kind of suction cup inside the tank. You can make really cool time lapse, but once again, what about the filter, right? The GoPro doesn't have a cell phone orange filter, but there's a lot of companies like Sublime that makes these, um, sorry about that, caught my GoPro before it dropped. <laughs> it, they make a lot of cages for the GoPro with a 52 millimeter filter uh, attachment. So you can literally take your 52 you know, millimeter orange lens and Orphic makes one. Uh, if you are familiar with Orphic coral lenses and you can just slip it on and screw it onto a GoPro. So that's another way to capture cool pictures in your water. with. So I, I, I did that, man. I have, um, I've got a GoPro myself. I've got a couple of GoPros and I bought some, uh, some filters for it that um, I tried shooting with and I just couldn't get them to come out right. Filters don't work. The, the filter papers, the filter or the orange, it, it's not the correct uh, uh, light filtering medium. Uh, but if you use the ones that have been designed for uh, filtering out the blue actinic light, specifically our our reef lights, uh, then you'll get much better results. What? So what's what's the brand of the uh, the filters that you would recommend for GoPro? So GoPro with the 52 millimeter filter adapter, there's only one brand that I know of. There's a bunch of Chinese generic brands, but the brand name one is Orphic. Okay, Orphic. And they make a 52 millimeter orange lens kit. Uh, there are a lot of 52 millimeter orange lens kits that are unbranded. And I'm pretty, I, I don't know if it's just the same Orphic lens or not, and it's just rebranded. Uh, but there's a few options on Amazon. Just look up 52 millimeter orange lens uh, and they'll all pop up. And uh, Mark Benson is asking how much do they sell for typically? Uh, the whole kit is probably like 25 bucks. That's not for bad. The, like, 52 millimeter and the 37 millimeter lens, the smaller ones. You can get them for like 20 bucks. Uh, the Ocean Box design one is a very specifically designed orange lens uh, that he spent a lot of R&D researching the orange filter, and that's a, a little bit pricier. Uh, but you can check it on on Ocean Box's website. And those filters work both uh, in water as well as uh, outside. If you wanted to use a GoPro to shoot the tank on the outside, or is it better for um, the underwater shots? Both. You can use it for both. If you decide to use the GoPro on the outside, you can do that. I only typically do that for like time lapses and stuff. Uh, but for the outside, I'll use my pro camera or my, or my cell phone. Okay. Gotcha. Yep, so moving on, so that's good. Uh, for those of you who don't want to use any orange filters attached to any of your equipment, you know, Flipper makes these really cool magnifying glasses with an orange filter attachment. You can buy an attachment for it, like this, and it works really good to look through the orange lens of the filter, so you can use that. Uh, a couple of other things that I use and I touched upon is uh, like look down boxes. This one allows, and it's designed specifically for a cell phone. So this is a an uh, extra cell phone that I have. You can, and it floats, which is really cool. Uh, so you can put this down. You can set your cell phone down into the box, and you can have it float, and you just have it uh, taking pictures and videos from the top down. Uh, make sure you use your orange filter with this as well. And then when you're taking pictures of specific corals, and you want to do like nice individual pictures of your corals to showcase on social media, you can use like a coral photo box with this magnet adapter and this attaches to your glass 
you kind of put the coral in the middle and take a picture of it. There. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then you can go into uh, your post-processing applications like Lightroom and you can uh, brighten it up. And because of it, it's a black background, the coral really pops with a, with a black background. Aquarium Partners is saying, Peter, you are a master exclamation point. Um, so that, that <laughs> photo box, does that have, um, I can't really tell, did, are, are there any um, like uh, holes for frag plugs to put in there or is it just essentially? Yeah. Okay, there you go. So you can do that and they, they, it comes with uh, extra plates that you can do like single frag plugs because like these holes will show up in the pictures. Yeah. So you put this plate in and it becomes like a single frag plug. Oh, hole. cool. Yeah. What There's also that's just plain with no holes um, to do like scolies or stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, what, what I do is um, I just take a nice, um, um, it's, it's pretty much like a black frag rack and the, um, and the rubber that, uh, you know, you put the, the frag plugs into are black as well. So it's completely black. And I put that on my, um, on one of my frag tanks and, um, you know, which has got black acrylic, um, behind the glass or painted, um, it's painted black. Yeah. And so that's, that that's kind of like my well. black box, but I, that's a pretty cool idea. The only thing I would, I would probably want to see is like a bigger box. I mean, do they come in different sizes or is that the only size? This is made by Zen Reef. And so they only make one size, but for the most part, all the little frags fit. Um, I'm not going to be able to fit my acanthophilia no. or anything. <laughs> um, but there, there is some negative effects of using a box like this when it's mounted to the front glass and you put it in here and your light is behind this yeah. box. Now the box doesn't have enough lighting to take a picture. So to combat that, I have a few options that I use. Uh, one is that I have this rig with my Canon, and on this rig has a what we call a camera cage, and it has all of these threaded holes for a quarter inch or three eighth inch thread accessories, and these are standard accessories. So you can get a one fourth inch gooseneck and hook it up to a light like Kessel's three A three sixty X, which is a portable pendant light that I used. And so you can use this and kind of adjust and point the light where you nice. want in the tank. There's not enough light. Um, and because this is a coral light, you can adjust the range between really blue or really white, depending on what you're trying to capture. And then uh, this is a useful tool. I love so it. And everything um, runs by like 50 bucks. You know, it's a generic Chinese cage. And uh, obviously there's really, really expensive ones, but there's no need. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you don't even have to use a Kessel light. You can use pretty much any, any light, any reef light. Uh, which brings me to my next case. Uh, I've been working with Alum Magic, and they've sent me this really cool thing called a PhotoMate. And a PhotoMate attaches it's it's two reef lights. Basically, it's their pixel line of lights. They're called pixels, and they use these for their reef tanks as well. And I have it mounted. And it comes with a mount to mount on your tripod. And you can adjust this and you can point it anywhere in your tank where there's shadowing and to lighten it up and take pictures that way as well. Makes sense. Yeah, Very so cool. this is a really tool. The PhotoMate version 2 is coming out and it's going to be a dimmable version. So I would totally wait uh, until the version 2 comes out uh, before purchasing what, one. Uh, what would that retail? This one doesn't have a retail price yet uh but what i'm guessing is the the pixel lights itself 
are um, probably a couple hundred bucks. Uh, so this is a pretty pricey option yeah. if, if you go this route, but it's it's an awesome option to have. You can mount it on a tripod and kind of point it anywhere you want. Um, but still cheaper than a Kessel light. Yeah, that for sure. <laughs> so those are the tools I use. Uh, the last tool that I use that I use almost uh, all the time is a photo tube. And so what a photo tube does is you attach this to the bottom bracket of your, of your camera and your camera sits here and the lens uh, goes into this hole. So this is your lens, the lens goes in here. And so you can stick this whole tube into the top side of your tank and you can take pictures from the top down. A lot of coral vendors use a photo tube to take pictures to post on their website yep. uh, to sell photos, uh, to sell coral. Um, so that's a tool I use. I have a minier, shallower version of this so that I can take pictures of my frag tank and I could use a uh, wider angle lens with the shorter one. Uh, so these ones are made by um, Building Obsession. Uh, they make a really good photo tube. Yeah, I have. Um, I think I have some of their frag racks, and and I use yeah. the uh, the Avast Marine uh, photo tubes. Yeah, Avast makes one. Uh, it has the screws instead yes. of the lining brackets. Yes. Um, and so sometimes the screws, I'm afraid to dig into my expensive lenses. So that's yeah, that is the one thing I'm not uh, thrilled about with the uh, with the Avast in terms of the screws. But um, yeah, just lightly screw them as long as it stays on um, and water doesn't get in. Yeah. But yeah, those, those are the equipment I use to take the pictures. As far as taking the pictures itself with my uh, professional equipment, I use a. I use a Canon 5D Mark IV uh, uh, camera to take most of my pictures. And uh, with these, you have the opportunity to adjust the temperature uh, and the white balance right on the camera itself. So what I do is I'll crank up the temperature to 10K, uh, a custom white balance on these cameras. Uh, crank it up to 10K if that's an option on your DSLR camera, which most modern ones do have that option take the picture and then it will remove a lot of the blue light, yeah. but not all of the blue light. Um, but it makes post-processing uh, much easier when you have the settings in your camera uh, correct to begin with. Uh, so make sure if you're using these, set it to 10,000 K temperature, take the picture and then we'll get into what it looks like uh, when you upload it to your computer. Yeah, I mean, that's that's um, what we're talking, I think, before the uh, the live stream, um, Peter. I use a, um, a, I've got a Sony mirrorless camera, the uh, the Sony a7 III, and I have like a custom white balance setting to 9900, and uh, I'm not sure if I can go to 10,000 or not, but um, 9900 seems to work pretty well for me, and then I do, um, you know, what... I think and above is uh, just crank it up as high as the camera can, right. can allow. Right. Yeah. Uh, it will work. And as far as lenses go, uh, there's a plethora of lenses that you can use to take pictures. But of course, there's certain ones that are much better suited for taking pictures of coral, especially for the photo tube and the top down. I use the 100 millimeter macro lens for Canon. You can use 100 millimeter macro lenses for a whole bunch of different uh camera manufacturers and it'll come out the same way this gives you a really zoomed in look of the coral 
And then I use a 16 to 35 millimeter wide angle lens to take like full tank shot pictures so that I can see from far left to far right of the tank. And I could be extremely close to the tank and still capture the entire full tank shot with this camera, oh, with this lens. And then if you want that creamy, blurry background with your nice crisp fish in the foreground, I do use a 70 to 200 millimeter lens, um, but this requires me to stand back about 20 feet oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> from the tank. Uh, and I do have some sample pictures of, of this lens that I'll show you guys. Uh, but yeah, I will probably move on to, to showing you guys how it looks like when I edit the photos really quick. Let me ask you one uh, question, uh, Peter. You know, in, in terms of Instagram, are most of the uh, videos that you have, most of your reels, are those shot with your um, your Canon, or would you say is a good chunk with your uh, with your phone? Uh, there's a good chunk with my phone, and you can totally tell the difference if if you're into photography and you're looking at it. Sometimes these 10 second reels go by so fast that you can't really tell if it's a it's a camera or or a cell phone footage. Um, but you, you definitely see the difference in quality and crispness of the photo when it's uploaded to Instagram. So if you wanted to like, I mean, you know, just looking through all your reels on, on your Instagram account and um, just uh, the quality of the video and, and what have you. And, and I, I talked about this with you when we were kind of um, at our kind of pre-chat uh, a few days ago. When, um, you know, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I pretty much do not use my phone. I use my, uh, my Sony mirrorless, uh, camera. And so I'll shoot video with that. And then, um, you know, so I'll use the video for YouTube and all that stuff, but then I'll repurpose it for Instagram. And I used to have something set up in Instagram where I could like optimize that video that I shot with my mirrorless camera for Instagram, but it always seemed to like come out a little you know, less, um, sharp. It was like kind of blurry and not, not really. Yeah. It and presses it down to a really crappy looking video. And the reason why it does that is because the, uh, the settings that you took the picture or the video to begin with wasn't really optimized for Instagram. And so what I found that you cannot take 4k pictures or, or 4k video and upload it in its 4k, uh, format. You always have to use software to compress it down or you have to shoot natively on your phone or your camera in 1080p on top of shooting in 1080p you have to shoot at 30 frames per second for instagram oh. if you shoot at anything higher than 30 frames per second it automatically puts on its compression algorithm thing and makes your video really crappy um so make sure you upload video in native 1080p. Make sure it's 30 frames per second, and your pictures and your videos will look a lot. What better. about the um, the resolution? Because obviously, the you know, in Instagram, it's kind of like got that portrait, um, you know, uh, uh, resolution. Yep. How do you overcome that if you're doing the 1080p and the 30 frames per second? Do you need uh, like a special thing set up in portrait mode as well? Um, so instead of 1920 by 1080, it's the, I mean, sorry, it's, it's 1080 by 1920, but in portrait mode, it's uh, the reverse. So same oh, thing. So you could use, uh, you could take your mirrorless camera and just shoot it in portrait mode versus landscape mode. Absolutely. Yeah. And Instagram is primarily portrait. You can shoot landscape in Instagram. It's just, 
if you want the full effect of the full screen when someone's looking at your content, you most definitely want to shoot in portrait. All right, mode. dude, I'm going to try those tips out because uh, I'm, I'm, um, I don't know, the, the cell phone thing for me, um, I just get more, I, I, I like shooting with my uh my sony versus the cell phone but i gotta try the tips though with the cell phone and also the gopro you know get the right uh, filters for the gopro but um yeah no that's very cool you know i, I think yeah. um go ahead obviously newer phones create better picture quality than than older phones uh so that does make a difference if you're using like an older iphone versus a brand new iphone 13 the uh the quality is drastic so you want to get into some uh, some editing tips and and um, go through yeah, that stuff. Let's go. Should I um, should I also show some of the uh, the pictures? I already sh showed your uh, your tang, and um, there was a couple other photos that you had, had sent through. I don't know if this is a good time to show those or. Perfect. Yeah, let's show them while while I set up okay. the camera to look at my, to look at my screen here. This is a um, royal grandma with the mouth open. Awesome shot, man. And um, is that a um, a captive raised uh, yellow tang? It is. That is a biota nice. of him's uh, captive bred tang. He's about three years old, and uh, he's actually one of my oldest fish in the tank. And I'm going to show the. Uh, is this, so is this a koi tang? That is a koi tang. Or Scopus Koi Tang, um, lots of names for it, but I, I call it a Koi Tang. So cool, man. So cool. Yeah, the Royal Grandma photo is really... I love that fish. I used to keep that fish, but um, they're kind of tough, right? Aren't they a little, uh, can be a little nasty? They're actually really timid fish. To, uh, they'll flare up if another fish comes into their little cave or territory but for the most part they're very timid fish i don't um, know why then i had the uh, experience that i did where i just was like all right i can't get another royal grandma yeah i really want that uh that other version of the royal grandma from biota farm biota aquariums the uh cuban one the cuban bastelet it's like a six hundred dollar royal grandma. <laughs> I, I I just picked up from another hobbyist a uh, biota um, captive raised regal angelfish. Man, the thing is just so incredibly beautiful. Love those. Um, so are we yeah. ready to to this editing really yeah. quick here? So if you guys can see my screen here, I have Adobe Lightroom open. I'm going to go through a editing session with you guys really quick. So. I'll actually edit the picture that I sh that Keith showed on the demo with this uh, Royal Grandma with the mouth open here. So this is straight out of the camera in raw format, uh, which is already a pretty good image, but it still needs a little bit of touch up. It needs to be brightened up a little bit. And um, right here, the settings on the camera again is is the 10,000 temperature Kelvin on the uh, on the DSLR camera settings, and these are the results. Uh, this camera was the, or this lens that I took, if you scroll down on the far right of Lightroom here, once you import the picture, it actually tells you what lens you use. So this was the 70 to 200 millimeter lens that I, that I showed earlier, the one where I have to kind of stand back 20 feet to take pictures of the yep. tank. And you can tell that the fish is 
very focused in the foreground and everything behind it is a very creamy uh blurred background which photographers call bokeh um but let's dive into editing it really quick so once you import the picture into lightroom you have what they call kind of the uh adjustments dashboard on the right side here and these are where you adjust all of your settings your exposure your shadows your texture and and your sharpness and all of that stuff what i like to do first is i like to split the picture so that on the left side is the mm. original and the right side will be all of my changes that i make so i can see in real time how i'm adjusting the original image not to go so far from the original image that it no longer is realistic to the naked eye anymore and of course there's there's a lot of coral photos that um are really vibrant really yeah. popping but you, they don't really look like that in, in real life uh with the naked eye um so right here on the the, the very top right is is the temperature bar i always crank the temperature to the farthest right just like i crank the temperature on the camera settings itself this will remove a lot of the blues, but sometimes not all of the blues. Uh, and I'll show you how to remove the rest of the blue tint uh, further down on these adjustments. Now, further down a little bit on the adjustments tabs, you have exposure, contrast, highlight, shadows. I can go on and on and, and tell you guys what all these settings do. But for the amateur beginner person, there is an auto button right here. Yeah. And it says auto. And it will auto adjust everything for you. It uses software to look at the metadata of the picture and it'll adjust the exposure and the brightness, the contrast, everything for you. And I suggest doing this as a beginner just to see how the software adjusts it. And if it's not to your liking, then you can, you can readjust it a little bit yourself. So when you click on auto, you'll see that now it automatically kind of brightens it up. It provides a little bit of contrast. It brightens up the highlights and all that stuff. Um, so we'll leave it at that for now because I think the auto settings uh, is actually really good for this particular picture. Scrolling down, there's something called the tone curve. And the tone curve is this is where you get to manipulate every single aspect of the color tones in the picture. You can remove the blues, you can remove the reds, the greens, everything. But for the purpose of reef tank photography, we want to remove the blues. So on the top here, there's RGB, so there's red, green, and blue. You're gonna click on the blue channel. And right here, you'll see a graph and a darkened area. You do not want to move this cursor outside of this darkened graph area because it will overexpose the image and it will make the picture look blown out. So I'll take this line and I'll pull it down just a smidge. And that allows me to pull out any blue tones in the picture and what you're left with is the real colors that you see with your naked eye or if you were to turn on the white lights of your lights so once you do the tone curve you'll move down here and you'll do a little bit of color grading and the color grading is a further finer adjustment of color in the in the image so if you want to add a little bit of warmth if you want to re-add a little bit of blue purple any of that stuff you can adjust this from the color grading wheel right here and as you can see i like to move it a little bit towards the orange and the yellow just because this image 
the primary colors of my subject is purple and yellow. So I want to make those two colors pop. So I'll move it slightly to the orange and yellow gradient in this pinwheel. And you'll see that now the rotogramma really pops. Let me zoom in really quick to show you the difference. Wow. So on the left here is the original. And on the right, you'll see the edited version of the fish, which is a lot more pop and more color to it. Really cool, man. So, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that um, it's uh, one, one big important thing is to kind of get the uh, the blue out of the uh, the image. And, and also, um, you don't want to, like, go and overexpose a, an image. And then it's just kind of like fine-tuning it from there. Exactly. The the goal and the the challenge of reef photography is the actinic light and how to remove it. And once you master the ability to adjust the color and the grading and the blue light, then you're well on your way to making really good pictures. And this is you're you're basically talking about um, taking pictures in a raw for format. Do you want to just briefly explain what taking pictures in a raw for format is versus taking it not yeah, in a raw form so format? So raw versus JPEG uh, image capturing is basically a picture is a form of data. If you look at it as just plain data, um, it's, it's weird to say a picture is data, right? Uh, but a picture is basically data. And when you take a picture in a JPEG format, it's in a compression format that allows the end user to just take a quick image in a small size and it allows you to share that image really quickly. Uh, because the compression is really high. Uh, it doesn't leave room for adjustment. Uh, and usually a JPEG image, when you take it in, in a camera, or even if you take it on your cell phone, the image size is a couple of megs at the most, megabytes at the most. Now, when you adjust your camera, and your cell phone has this ability too, you can actually capture video and photos on your new iPhones in pro-raw format. Hmm. which makes the video and the picture files huge. It makes it in the hundreds of megabytes. Um, same thing with the DSLR camera. If you make it into raw format, uh, each picture is roughly about 100 megs, uh, give or take. And with this raw image format, when you upload it to Lightroom, it has all of the data available for you to manipulate the color, the brightness, uh, the exposure without any loss of quality. So if you accidentally take a picture that's too dark, but you do it in raw format, you're now able to lift the, uh, uh, the brightness out of, out of the picture, but without costing a lot of the quality. There's always going to be quality loss if you take a picture that's too dark, but you have the ability to fix it in post-processing, and it's a lot better than not being able to fix it at all especially when you're doing wedding photography or, or things that are a one-time deal. Like if I take a picture of my fish and it's wrong, I can retake it. If I take a picture of someone at a wedding, I can't redo the wedding. Yeah, no, that <laughs> would suck. Um, Peter, a couple of questions for you regarding uh, video. First one is from Mark Benson. Is the same process for videos in terms of um, conceptual? Okay. Uh, the conceptual process of, of editing video, except you're not using Lightroom or or Photoshop, you're using an application called Premiere. There's other video editing software. DaVinci Resolve is another really popular one. Uh, and the Apple or the Mac users, there, there's another uh, editing software that I forget the name of, but uh, another really 
good video editing software as well. But for my preferences, I use all Adobe products. I use Adobe Premiere for my videos, and it almost looks the same with all the sliders, with all of the uh, color grading and the pinwheel and the contrast brightness. All those, all those sliders are the same, which is pretty cool that Adobe did this because if you learn one tool, it kind of translates into all of their tools because of their their GUI or their interface is is very similar if you learn one tool. So, um, question from Inland Reef. Do you? Sh- I'm not exactly sure what uh, the question is, but uh, I'm sure you know it. But do you shoot your real video, uh, your reef videos with a picture profile like Slog, etc.? Slog. Slog. Yeah. S log. S log. I knew that. I've heard of S log before. Yeah. So S log is kind of like raw format, but in the video videography world, um, you don't have to. Uh, but of course, taking it in S log gives you more ability to manipulate it even even further. Uh, but for the most part, no, especially for reels. Because they are huge files. Yeah. Literally, if you shoot an S-log, you're looking at like, you know, a 30-second clip will be hundreds and hundreds of megs, uh, which I don't want to deal with, especially for something uh, like a reel. Um, so this uh, person is asking, if I can get the uh, screen name right here, Burn T-S Squirrel R-E-L-1. All right, not even going to like try to figure out what that's all about any thought on the neptune sky photo mode for pictures so i don't know if you've got a neptune sky um if you ever had one of those things but a lot of lights do have photo modes i have the ghl metros and they have a photo mode that i have to um um uh, select because if i don't there's going to be flicker in it i didn't even knew that existed yeah um the kessels the Kessel doesn't have a photo mode, but I, I have presets that I set the Kessel lights to to make it optimized for my liking in terms of uh, the spectrum, either white or blue. But I'm not familiar with the Neptune Sky so photo mode. What I suspect that the Neptune Sky and other brands are doing is it's setting the color temperature on more of the whiter side. Uh, so therefore, you don't have to do all of this crazy post-processing to remove uh, the blue from the picture. So I'm thinking that they set it in a temperature where it's uh, in combination with the orange lens or even without the orange lens, it, it comes out it, real realistic to what you see with the naked eye. So, um, Peter, I think we're going to get close to uh, to wrapping it up here, but um, yep. let's, um, um, I, I guess maybe just if you could pass along some top tips for folks in terms of Let's start with, um, you know, taking videos. What what would be like some of your top tips in terms of shooting videos? I mean, you I know you talked about all the different kind of tools that you use and, and that, that sort of thing, but any um, kind of shooting advice in terms of videos? And then I guess the same question with pictures. Having a steady hand when you're taking videos, because any of the vibration, I know these newer cameras have image stabilization where it, it helps with that, but especially when you're taking video, and you're taking videos of fast subjects like a moving fish, having a steady hand is really important. If you cannot do that, I recommend using a, a gimbal of some mm. sort. Uh, there's there's a lot of gimbal choices for cell phones that are fairly cheap. I personally use the DJI uh, OM5 gimbal for my cell phone, and that works really well, especially when I'm at trade shows and I'm running around taking video. It, it smooths out the video 
really well. Yeah, I have a um, I have a, a gimbal for my Sony uh, mirrorless camera, and um, it's uh, the uh, the Z Crane, Z Crane. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, like yeah. that a lot. Like, Zegan. Zegan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Although I wish I had the uh, the 120 uh, frames per second with the 4K. That's what I really wish I had. Yeah. That'd be super yeah, nice. Yeah. What about um? So all right, yes, I- image stabilization. Uh, can I assume like um, using a flash to take fish pictures is probably not that would be a no-go yeah. the only image that like i showed you before with the photo mate and the extra the fill light from the kessel uh it, it's a constant light source and it's in the color temperature that's required to to take the picture uh when you're using flash photography one you're going to get glare from the glass and two it's not the correct color temperature so the picture comes out really washed out and and not true to life. Not not what you expect. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to show? Uh, continue showing us some more of the uh, the editing stuff there, Peter. I... Uh, so I pre-edited okay. these pictures because you know, it takes too much time to to go through everything. So I will be doing full tutorials on my YouTube channel to go cool. down this what I call rabbit hole, <laughs> um, and I'll have details on on exactly the settings and and how I set it. This is because kind of like a quick overview, right? Um, I, I said I said an example earlier that if you take a picture that's too dark, but if you have it in raw format, you can pull the the light out of it. And this is a prime example of my koi tang. On the left, you'll see that the koi tang is very dark, and uh, you don't see much detail. And so on the right here, this is the finished uh, post editing picture of the koi tang. You can see that it's much brighter, more visible, more pop. Um, so this is all in uh even the uh let me reset it really quick and let me just show you what a quick click of one button i'm just clicking one button and the auto Auto. boom wow and it's already done most of the work for me and the rest is just fine tuning it making it a little brighter in some certain places um i do want to show you guys this really quick uh if you zoom in in this picture you'll see that there's so much detail on the on the pro cameras that you can see copepods yeah. on the glass, <laughs> right? But sometimes they appear on the fish, and it looks like ick. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so there's this little band aid button on the top right hand corner here. All you do is hover over these little dots that look like uh, ick, and boom, they disappear. <laughs> Just click on all of these dots, and they all disappear. And then you click done. And so, so is that kind of like a clear, is that like a clone stamp or something? It's a clone stamp. It will take the next nearest pixels that look uh, the most like the one that you clicked on, and it will uh, kind of clone stamp it and then blend it in all automatically for you. So it, it you can't even tell. It's like a perfect. Blend. See, I know some of the lingo. I don't know what a slog is, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the clone stamp is. Cool. So that's another feature uh, in Lightroom that you can use to uh, kind of tidy up your pictures. Um, next one is of, a, of coral, right? So on the left here, uh, the raw format on the left side here has some of the color. It's the it's straight out of the camera, but you want to give it a little bit more pop. So you up the temperature and then you pull out all the blues and the result is on the right. And then another one here. 
where I pull out more of the color on the on the picture on the right here. And so you can see that it's more vivid and uh, it just gives the picture a lot more pop. Really cool, man. But yeah, that that's kind of my 10 minute rundown of Lightroom. Of course, this is years of fiddling and I messing bet. with software. I bet. So, um, yeah, you, all right, so you said all these tutorials are going to be on your new YouTube channel. Um, Brian Cobb is, uh, was trying to find your YouTube channel, but he wasn't exactly sure. What, what's the name, um, Peter? Is it Bay Area Reefs, two, Bay Area, then Reefs, second word? Yeah, it's Bay Area Reef, all one word. There's another person on YouTube that actually has the name Bay Area Reef. Um, but if you click on mine, it, it has my banner and it has my logo. Um, if anything... You can go to my Instagram page, and in my bio link, there's a link to my YouTube as well. If anyone is trying to or having trouble, gotcha. And maybe Keith, maybe I can send you the link and add it yeah. to the description. Yeah, for sure. This this live, absolutely, man, for sure. All right, man. Any uh, any final words? You want to turn the uh, the phone around so we could see you at the uh, the end of the stream here. There he, there All he right. is. <laughs> this is awesome dude I, I i love this because um you know i um i kind of i feel like you know photography and videography are a little bit of a uh a hobby of mine and all that stuff but uh geez man i am not near the kind of um you know i mean you're you're a professional photographer and it obviously shows in terms of your work and and um you know so i i think just being able to kind of see your reef tank at the beginning there and 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 um you know so what I, what I will say is this, that you didn't at all talk about, you know, doctoring photos or, or you know, just bringing out, um, you know, false types of, um, you know, images and all that sort of thing. I mean, that's like a, a thing that's really going on in the hobby that's, I think, very problematic in terms of misrepresentation of corals and, and fish tanks. And I think what you talked about in this stream was really trying to, um, you know, represent images and videos in their most realistic manner and those are tips that you seem to uh be living by and and i appreciate that man i think it's a breath of uh, fresh air versus just you know highly doctored photos that uh just bring out the uh the um you know luminescence of of the corals i uh, yeah. i really appreciate what you're uh, what you're all about man Thanks, Keith. And, and that's something that I, I strive to do is teach people how to bring out the true colors and the corals. And then, you know, a lot of people take the saturation slider and they just full on slide it to the right. And <laughs> sure, the coral pops and it looks good, but it, it's not what you really see. It's not realistic, you know, it's just it's misrepresenting what uh, what reality is. And, and um, so hopefully, you know, a lot of people will uh, will see this. A lot of people will find you on YouTube and uh, will learn your methods, because I think it's a it's an important thing in this hobby is to make sure that we represent the animals in the, in the uh, most realistic way and, and not uh, vice versa. Absolutely. And Keith, once again, thank you so much for inviting me. This was uh, a fun chat and hopefully uh, maybe do some something else in the yeah, future. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, Peter. So thanks. Thanks again, man. I also want to thank the uh, the sponsors of the live stream, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I also want to thank everybody that uh, that tuned in. Really appreciate you participating in the chat and asking those questions. Big thank you to Paul. The uh, moderator, I also want to let you all know that all episodes of Rapid with Reefum are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Rapid with Reefum 
live stream will be on Thursday, September 1st. This is going to be great with uh, Vincent Chalice at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Vincent is a coral farming pioneer, so you're not going to want to miss that episode. I also want to mention that I'm going to have a uh, live coral sale on Saturday, September 3rd, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on YouTube, so you can learn more about that on reefbum.com. And if you want to check out the full upcoming episode of Guests on Rappin', check out reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Until next time, be safe and be well. Later. <laughs>